Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 5 of the True North Podcast. I'm your host, Benedict Rhodes. Over the past few weeks, the 2022 Canada Summer Games took place in and around Niagara, Ontario. And as expected, there are plenty of fantastic athletes and plenty of fantastic stories. Joining me on this episode is Christopher Sege, the Manager of Media and Communications for Niagara 2022, to recap all of the action. What was Christopher's favourite moment of the Games? What legacy will Niagara 2022 leave behind in the region and which athletes could be future Team Canada stars? All of that and more on this episode of the True North Podcast. I'm now very pleased to be joined by Christopher Sege, the media Manager of Media and Communications for the Niagara 2022 Canada Summer Games. Uh, Christopher, thank you much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Benedict. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I guess, first of all, uh, Niagara 2022 seemed to be a, a pretty successful event, all things considered. Uh, congratulations on, on that. Uh, how do you look back on, on the past few weeks overall as the games, you know, sort of finally arrived and, and finally took place? Uh, yeah, I think to me what sticks out is really a number of athlete stories. You know, I think Benedict really, as much as there's a legacy that we created here in Niagara um, through the games, um, I think really what stands out to me are some of the athlete stories that we got to witness firsthand and some that we'd followed for a while. So I think of Jada Lee's story. She was the first female baseball pitcher to play in the male baseball comp- uh, competition at the Canada Games. I mean, we had flagged Jada's story over a year ago. And so to kind of live in the moment and see it happen, you know, as we had eagerly awaited and anticipated her arrival was pretty special, not to mention everything that came afterwards, you know, the the attention that the story garnered, the inspiration that she was to so many young baseball players and girls, both here in Niagara and across Canada, not to mention she got to throw up the first pitch at the Jays game. Uh, it was pretty special. Or, you know, Iki Luak Avalak, he was the first ever now from Nunavut to win a gold medal at a Canada Games. Um, a wrestler who I really, really hope to see more of. He is just one of the kindest people that I got to meet during my two weeks at the games. Uh, I mean, he has been DMing me because I've tagged him in a couple of Instagram posts, but just like the greatest kid and I couldn't be happier for the success he garnered. And that moment, you know, Benedict, to be honest with you, was one of the coolest sporting moments I've ever experienced live. You know, the, the place halted, like literally froze um, when he won gold to celebrate his accomplishment. And then, you know, I also think of Ben Pollock and the story of the British Columbia lacrosse team and the boys, you know, really inspired by their friend who had cancer, who could not attend the 2022 Canada Games and them feeling um, almost a responsibility to play with him and mine and their spirit and really for them to be down two goals in the gold medal game against Ontario to come from behind and win um, showed a lot of character, a lot of determination and the emotion on the floor. Again, you know, some people I think tend to, and I'm not, trying to dismiss people's impressions of the Canada Games. I think some people just don't know what how special this event is, but I think those moments that we got to live, just those three of them alone, were some of profoundly the best sport experiences that I've ever had in my life. And that says a lot about what this event can create for the athletes. And so, yeah, the long story short again, Benedict, those are the things, and they're just a few examples of things that, uh, I've, that have stuck with me and will likely stay with me for my lifetime as a result of these games. I used the word finally in my last question because, you know, these Canada games were meant to take place last summer in Niagara, of course, uh, delayed a year because of the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about that maybe? Like, when did you know the games were going to get postponed and what was that process like kind of pushing everything back a year and playing it all over again? Yeah, well, it's almost crazy to think how long ago that was because it feels like almost ancient history. But 
Um, you know, the, I started in February 2020. The pandemic took place in March 2020. The games were still at that time set for the same dates, but in 2021. And so over the summer of 2020, um, you know, I think it became clear to me through conversations with our senior executive team that this was likely going to be a decision um, sometime at the end of August in early September. And so, you know, and, and once we rendered that decision, it seemed, you know, obviously understanding all the parameters, what was going on with the pandemic at the time, there's no vaccine, we, there's no real end in sight to what we're experiencing as a country, let alone a world. And so it was an incredibly difficult decision because there were so many things that had to be factored. We knew that there were athletes that had been training for that particular moment in 2021. And to know that we might be asking them to wait with us for another year was going to be a lot to ask. And, you know, there were so much conversations that had to take place, Benedict, from working with the national sport organizations, working with every province and every territory's team. Um, we had sponsors, we had, uh, you know, all our funding partners come from every level of government. Like there's so many people, <laughs> quite literally hundreds of village that we had to inform, let alone our leadership volunteers and the volunteers that had been recruited at that time to be with us for the games about the decision in the hopes that they would hang with us. And I'm really proud that one, the council working with the national sport organizations was able to extend the age group by a year for almost every single sport so that any athletes that were eligible for 2021 could be eligible for 2022. It also became clear by the summer of 2021 that we made the right decision. You know, the way things were shaped out at that given time with the pandemic, um, it would have made it an environment that was not conducive to host the games. And frankly, looking back at what we accomplished over the last three weeks, um, it's hard not to feel that, again, having the games in 2022 and the success that they were, the people that we were able to welcome to the event, the athletes, and how things were able to go more or less off without a hitch. Um, it felt like it certainly was the right decision. And we're grateful that we took the year and the athletes and everyone waited with us to have that incredible experience in 2022. And you mentioned, you know, the extent of the age group so athletes could uh, could compete. Did you hear any stories as well of athletes maybe who took the year to their advantage and used it as a chance to get ready and prepare and maybe develop another year as well for the Games? Yeah, well, certainly you're absolutely right. I think there's some who may not have been with us. I think of a 10-year-old tennis player in Saskatchewan, Isabella Yan, for instance, who was a great story of the games who joined us. She probably wouldn't have been able to come um, at nine years old and with one yet less year of experience. Um, you know, I know that there's many who, uh, again, who were quite young, who would have joined us uh, and likely would have had an extra year of development. I, ha I had a nephew compete in cycling. He's 16, competing with 22, 21-year-old cyclists um, over road cycling, uh, Hudson lovers. And like, you know, for Hudson, you know, just speaking with uh, in my family and his parents, like they were over the moon, the kind of experience that he was able to get. And, you know, he didn't get the results he wanted. But again, I think because of the extra year delay, it presented an opportunity for him to join. And you're absolutely right, Benedict. There are some athletes who in their development, you know, probably Julie Brusso, that she win 11 medals uh, in 2021, you know, or, you know, because you did do that in 2022. I don't know. It's a great question to ask. And I'm sure some of them benefited from it. And I know they would have gone through a lot of adversity too. Like, let's just keep in mind that a lot of sport facilities were shut down between 2020 and 2021. And so, 
I'm sure their performance were bettered by the fact that they had more time to have access to facilities, have access to coaching, have a more regular competition schedule, because also in 2021, that would have been disrupted. Um, so I'm sure all these things helped benefit them coming here in 2022 to put on the performances that they did. And as you saw, Benedict, there were so many record-breaking performances, whether it was in the pool or whether it was on the track or in other competitions, um, you know, profoundly, so many of the athletes achieved really high results that we hadn't even seen in Canada Games history. And I think that's a testament to the fact that they had that added year of preparation. And uh, how much of a relief was it for you and, and your fellow staff and, and volunteers and, and people when uh, the first athletes finally started to arrive and it was, you know, this time we're actually going to get it going? <laughs> relief might be depending on who you're talking to. Uh, I know for our operations team, it may have been, oh my God, we got a lot of work to do still as we have our athletes arriving. But I think it was surreal for a lot of us because we had talked about this event for so long um, and maybe at nauseum that to have them finally there uh, in person was really special. And I think for many of us, you know, we had a coworker who's worked many Canada games before and he said, wait till you get to the opening ceremony and you see all the athletes coming in, you know, you won't be able to help, but be overwhelmed by emotion. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> I think so many of us were just, in awe of how excited the athletes were. The energy in opening ceremonies was, was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I think, uh, you know, although maybe not been relief, I think just excitement for sort of the journey that we had been waiting to undertake and that we were about to start something for the next 16 days. And it was, it was a marathon to get through it, but um, it was an unbelievable experience. And I can certainly see, you know, from a games perspective and from a Canada games perspective, just, how incredible it is for people that get to join on the ride because it's a very unique experience. And uh, as I mentioned off the top, you're the manager of media and communications for the Niagara 22 games. Uh, for our listeners here, maybe what did that role actually entail and, and what did a day in your life look like over the past few years, but also especially the past few weeks? Yeah, so um, it's a great question and there's a lot of different areas that my sort of responsibilities looked after. Um, certainly at games time, I would say my focus was storytelling. And even before then too, a large part of it was trying to flag some of the athlete stories and knowing, um, you know, which ones we should try to, to, to follow and, uh, connect with media and pitch story ideas to them about that, uh, you know, especially ones that I felt like warranted national consideration, you know, these athletes have done some remarkable things. And I do believe that at the end of the day, especially given their accomplishments here at the games, some of them warranted a bigger spotlight. So, um, certainly part of my time spent flagging those stories and then at games time working with um, outlets both here in Niagara and across the country to do all that kind of storytelling. Um, I also, you know, looked after press releases if we made any announcements ahead of the games, you know, whether it was new sponsors or we had, we have a new facility that we built in Canada Games Park that we would have announced. Um, you know, we also had one over uh, at uh, Henley Island called the Neil Campbell Rowing Center. Um, you know, those are other legacy buildings that we've, that we've sort of put together. And there's many more actually, frankly, that we've done here across the Niagara region in terms of infrastructure improvements. So um, yeah, my job is basically awareness was before the games, get, get people to understand what the Canada games are, what the 2022 Canada summer games are, what their dates are and get people just generally enthused and excited about the event. And then at games time, it was about connecting people to the athletes and their stories and, uh, I'm humbled by that opportunity, especially with the latter Benedict. Like, again, I know I touched at the beginning here about some of the incredible stories. And there are some, you know, 
that are just as special as those that I mentioned above. I think of uh, Katie Searhoots, who was a, a Manitoba rower, you know, who was diagnosed with cancer when she was in her teens, um, didn't row initially, discovered rowing later, months before the Canada Summer Games in Winnipeg, which were in 2017, uh, was recruited to do so, and now rows at a D1 school in Gonzaga, was just named Newcomer of the Year, and although she had a couple fifth-place finishes here at the Canada Summer Games in Niagara, um, I got to imagine, again, it's just all part of the experience for her in terms of what she's been able to overcome in her life and what she's been able to do. Or I think of Shamar Bennett, comes from a community of 700 people in Northwest Territories, uh, the only self-soccer player, apparently, according to himself, because he practices by himself. He throws stones on the ground in order to train because he doesn't have any cones. And he was the only member of the Northwest Territory soccer team who came from outside of the Yellowknife. Um, and so just to be a part of that story, we also surprised him by having his parents come down. Uh, Canadian Tire helped fund their accommodations and their travel expenses. And this is something the Canada Games Council also helped with. But to see him be surprised by his parents that he didn't expect to be visiting and watching him in Niagara was pretty special. So, um, you know, so part of my job was really cool because I got to share in some of the biggest moments, I would say, of the games and to see the emotion um, and just the overwhelming joy that a lot of these athletes got to experience here is pretty special. And uh, you, you have a background in, in communications, but I believe you've also done some you know, reporting as well. Um, how important was you know, that experience helping you in this role to you know, know what reporters and know what broadcasters are maybe looking for? Yeah, I think it's it's I think it's very valuable if you work in the communications and the media relations world to kind of have that insight, um, just because then you have a sense of understanding of what materials they require. You know what B-roll is, or you know you know what's newsworthy or what makes a story, right? And um, that certainly helps one from the aspect that we can get great coverage of the games, but also again coming back to understanding that this is really for the athletes and being able to get their stories told. Um, especially at a national level, so that, you know, so many people can be introduced to so many of these spectacular individuals and their incredible stories um, is important. So I think you understand the workflow, you understand how media operate with, with, with the deadline, that they might need still images for what they do, or they might need video. I mean, I conducted interviews on the floor of the box across championship game afterwards with uh, coach Grant Hamilton and captain Luca Pavetta, so that we can get that stuff sourced over to CBC. So CBC can use it for the moment. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to think that, you know, in my role, knowing and understanding what their needs are, that I could play a part in that storytelling even more so. But it, it certainly is an incredible, valuable resource to have, Benedict, to kind of know the sort of workflow of those uh, media outlets and how they operate. And, and I, I feel grateful that I know, you know, thinking on Ben's story with the Box Cross gold medal for BC, their family is so grateful for the fact that his story is being told and being shared so widely um, because he's getting that much more messages of support. It's only reinforcing his fight against cancer. And so thinking that my knowledge of media in working with people like CBC to help deliver the story could have that kind of impact uh, is humbling and incredibly rewarding. So I'm grateful that I could sort of leverage my experience to achieve really good results for, for not just the 2022 Canada Games, but also for the athletes and their families. Yeah, on that sort of note, how important is, you know, the Canada Games in terms of maybe getting, you know, sport into as many communities across this country as possible? You know, we, we got everyone from, you know, the big cities, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, all the way to, you know, Cambridge Bay, Nunavut or, or whatever, like there's like so many communities are impacted and involved in these kind of games. 
Yeah, I think that's the incredible part, right? It's, they say there's over 700 communities in Canada that have athletes or participants that fold into every Canada game. So it's just pretty amazing to think just how connecting this event is. Um, I think it's easy to get lost in that. Um, but when you see someone like Geeky win gold from Cambridge Bay Nunavut, um, you know, such a small community of only a couple thousand people um, in a remote community of that, and to the point where he trains by himself and throws a, a dummy around, and his coach has said he's his father figure, he's his coach, he's his tackling dummy, like, or his wrestling dummy, like, he's his sparring partner. I think it goes to show you just the impact that this has. You know, it gives, I think, kids um, a motivation to be a part of something bigger. And I think a great example too, Benedict, is when I looked at the women's lacrosse competition, and I remember talking to Ontario's coach, Bruce Codd, he talked about how there were teams that were competing at these games that never had lacrosse programs before nationally that he would face. And, you know, I know for a fact that PEI built this program more or less from scratch from the girls' perspective. I know that uh, Team New Brunswick did the same thing. So you think there are girls who picked up lacrosse sticks, for instance, that would have otherwise never done so if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, the creators game was reintroduced uh, to the Canada games and also introduced on the girls' side for the first time ever. So um, the impact that this can have on a participation level, um, the friendships too, you think about the memories that people make here, the connections that they have, those things last a lifetime. So I think it's just the socialization, the recreational aspect, and then the development of athletes who we know will go on to be um, Olympians, Paralympians, or Special Olympians is pretty remarkable to think. And so all these things put together really are what the games are all about. And as you said, they, they touch all these varying communities um, in so many ways across the country. And PI 2023 is gonna do the same as you know we just did here in Niagara in 2022. One of the unofficial events at any major competition, whether it's the Canada Games, or the Olympic Games is pin collecting. And that was another pretty major story, I guess, uh, around these games. Um, there's a great piece on CBC. I recommend anyone goes and reads that. Um, and I think there's a designated tent as well set up for it uh, in Niagara what was that experience like, you know, seeing people come from all different provinces and territories and you know, kind of trading these, these beautiful pins? <laughs> it's, it's a really like, again, coming back to the socialization of the games, Benedict, it's really just a good excuse to connect with other athletes from other provinces and territories and to just open up a conversation and to make, make bonds and form friendships with people that you might not otherwise connect with. And um, it was super cool. Like, and I think any multi-sport games, this is really emblematic of it. I know when I was at Pan Am, I got to work with the Cayman Olympic Committee as an attache to the team. And I remember <laughs> they gave like this huge bag of pins to me and they just dropped it in my hands. I said, what's this for? They're like, this is how you bribe people at the games. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't understand that. They're like, oh, you'll see. Like, just wait. It could have been more right. Like literally, you know, every, in this case, every country was seeking to try and do exchanges. Um, and if we needed something done by volunteers or whatnot, you know, it was kind of a thank you to give somebody a pen and say, hey, and, and then the same thing applied here. And, uh, you know, one of the core experiences I got during the games is I was on the bus with the athletes on the way to the opening press conference, specifically it was all the flag bearers. Um, and so I actually sat, uh, after the press conference with with Jada Lee uh, from Newfoundland and Labrador and did a pen exchange with her and opened a conversation. And I had been talking to her parents and team Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, you know, setting her up for interviews in the months before. So to meet her in person was pretty unique and special for me because it was like finally the culmination of all this work that we'd done in the months leading up to it. 
And uh, I got this great Newfoundland and Labrador baseball pin that I got to trade her for. Um, and I said, the least I could do is, you know, support, you know, your baseball team, given that you've been, you know, hustling and doing a lot of uh, interviews and media coverage uh, on behalf of the games. Uh, and so, again, it just opened as a way to open up a conversation. And I know for many athletes and coaches and mission staff that are here, that's what it is. And even volunteers and everyone kind of gets into it. And so it's part of the fun. And, um, you know, there's so much value in it. And the, the pin people, as you mentioned before, and, and Barry, who is the one who's charged with that, do such a phenomenal job of creating all these unique pins. Um, you know, there were so many ones that were unique to Niagara, like uh, Alberta had one where the A goes down the waterfall. It was like a moving pin. Uh, Nunavut had a three-piece set. Um, and so did Northwest Territories. Like, and so they all have these really cool ones that you want to collect. Um, and ones that are, again, they're special and unique to the games here in Niagara. And so they're things that you get to cherish uh, forever because uh, I know for me, they're on my lanyard now. And I'll certainly hold on to those for my lifetime. And uh, away from the sports themselves, you mentioned you know some of the venues in Niagara. What are some of the legacies maybe the game hopes to leave behind in Niagara and in that community? Yeah, so I mean, one, I'm sitting in a building right now, Canada Games Park, uh, that's over a hundred million dollar facility. It's got two uh, rinks here. Those were hosted for box across, but they also can be uh, used for hockey, and they will be for one of them at least for Brock. We got the quad gymnasium in here, uh, 200 meter indoor track. Um, a health and wellness facility downstairs, <laughs> a 400 meter track outside. Uh, there's also uh, the whole track and field facility was brand new. That was used for athletics, the beach volleyball courts. There's six of them. So one, this in itself is a huge facility that is going to be used by the entire region um, for recreational purposes, for high performance purposes. Um, I mean, the sport, we have a high performance sport, um, sport performance center that's upstairs at Canada Games Park. Um, and if anybody knows who the Canadian Sport Institute of Ontario is, uh, the CSIO prides itself on shaping Paralympians and, and, and Olympians in terms of their training, development, nutrition, physiotherapy. So I'm right now sitting in what is going to be a regional training center here in Niagara. So again, this facility in itself is going to be remarkable, Benedict. I think the community itself will get to use it. I mean, there'll probably be intramurals taking place in all aspects of this facility from a recreational uh, use perspective. The, uh, the rinks have been outfitted for, pair, for sledge hockey. Um, and so has much of this building been conscious of accessibility needs. So, so much parasport programming could also be activated in this space, whether it's on the track, whether it's inside at the quad gymnasium. So that's exciting to think about. Um, and again, this is just the tip of the iceberg because <laughs> again, going back in St. Catharines, we also built out the Neil Campbell Rowing Center. Um, that could be used as an event space, but also a training facility. Um, it also has accessible amenities that exist within that facility. And so the World Rowing Championships are coming back to St. Catharines for the first time in what'll be 25 years because the last time they were held here was in 1999. And if anybody knows anything about Niagara, rowing is like, the most important sport here in this community and it didn't take me long to discover that and that's because they've been hosting a regatta for over 130 years so they can be forgiven for their passion for this particular sport but it's very significant for them to have the worlds coming back here um, and a big part of that is this new facility because they didn't have the amenities required to service accessible or para rowers specifically. And now they do with this facility and there's more work that needs to be done ahead of the worlds in 2024, but that's a big 
bonus for them, not to mention for Niagara local rowers in the training efforts and endeavors that they'll have to try to make sure that Niagara stays as one of the best locations for rowing, not just in Canada, but frankly, in the world. And then, you know, again, and I, I know I'm trailing here, Benedict, but there's so many things I could say, you know, Oaks Park is a baseball uh, or hosted one of our baseball competition along with Welland Baseball Stadium. Both these areas saw facility upgrades. So Welland Baseball Stadium got a new scoreboard. Oaks, there were improvements to the dugout, to the field um, in itself, to, to the point where it should be able to host uh, a national competition for Baseball Canada in the future. Southward Community Park, which hosted uh, the softball uh, competition, should be able to do the same for Softball Canada in the future. Um, we made upgrades um, across the region in other places as well. And I think it's just, there's so much infrastructure improvement. Like I credit our board and the vision that they established because they really have left Niagara in that much better of position um, to be a leader in sport here in, uh, in Southern Ontario in a way that I think is going to allow it to host that many more competitions in the future at both a national and also at an international level. And so I'm excited to see um, you know, what other events Niagara will be able to have the privilege of hosting um, in the coming years, because there's certainly going to be a number of them. Yeah, so I'd love to hear. And I'm someone who uh, is a big proponent for, for events like this having a huge legacy, so that's great to hear. Um, before I let you go, Christopher, we always end episodes of the True North podcast with a rapid fire round, five questions. The first thing that comes to mind, are you up for that? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, first one, you touched on this a bit already, but which memory from the past few weeks was your absolute favorite? Oh, I'm going to go Iki Luak Avalak. I think the, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about being in that gymnasium. Uh, number two, of all the venues and stadiums at Niagara 2022, which was your favorite? I go Canada Games Park. It's an amazing facility. People should come see it if they can. Uh, number three, we saw a lot of awesome designs from the teams when it came to things like uniforms and other gear. Uh, which gear stood out to you and was there anything in particular that really caught your eye? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, they had this great carbon coat and I was lucky enough to get one. So I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick them as my winner for that. Uh, which sport that is not currently on the Canada Games program would you like to see added maybe for the future? Ooh, great question. Um, wow. Well, rugby sevens for men's is coming, but I'm trying to think I... You know what? I'm going to say breakdancing only because because it's coming to the Olympics. And I think it would be cool to see that sport at the Canada Games. I love that. Um, and last one for you. If you could pick one athlete from Niagara 2022 that you think maybe has the potential to be a future Canadian Olympic or Paralympic star, which athlete would you pick? Ooh, I'm going to name two so I can be uh, inclusive in my decision making here. I'm going to say Iki Luak Avalak for wrestling. And I'm going to say Katie Cosgrove. Uh, who I think will be a future Paralympian that we got to saw. She won six gold medals um, at the Games, which matched a, a record uh, at a Canada Games. Uh, Christopher, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, where can people follow you online and keep up with all the work that you do? Yeah, so on uh, uh, Twitter, I'm at uh, Chris Sege underscore. Um, you can find me there and follow. I push a lot of stories that are still coming up from the game, so you can check out all my work and um, anything else and probably end up with some Rams content because I'm a huge Rams fan and probably Ottawa Saturday stuff uh, at my uh, Twitter handle there. Awesome. Everyone go follow that. And then, uh, Christopher, really appreciate your amazing insight and thank you again for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me, Benedict. Thank you again to Christopher for coming on the show and thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that great discussion.
For more on the 2022 Canada Summer Games and six athletes who stood out in Niagara, including some of the ones you just spoke about on this show, head to truenorthsports.substack.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe so you never miss a story or an episode of this show. Subscribing is 100% free. You can also follow True North on Twitter at truenorth underscore sport or on Instagram at truenorthsport. I've been Benedict Rhodes. Thank you for listening and I'll see you again soon.